It's like, wait, I'm doing something nerdy and there's a girl here? Oh my god, I have a huge crush on this girl. Welcome back to another Zengineering podcast. Woo! I'm at I'm Adam. I'm Brian. What's up, everybody? Hey, hey, hey. Um, so we're back. I think the last last episode was hit list, right? So we're digging in deep on one here. Hit lists. We got a topic, a real specific topic. Someday we're gonna have to do research on these, but this is another one where I don't know that we really had to do any. Hey, but. we've done shitloads of research. <laughs> You're right. Ten years we of paying attention weeks. passively <laughs> to I, the I've, underlying issues. and <laughs> We've spent years reading single-line headlines, and I watched a couple videos while I was eating lunch. <laughs> but what For are we talking though? about? What For are we reals. talking about? We are talking about encryption and cryptography, I think is probably the actual title we should be using after watching some videos. <laughs> cryptography. Honestly, what I want to get to is helping people break down what they need to know to understand the relevance of the Apple totally. situation with FBI right with the FBI yeah. right now. Yeah, I Which want people I have, to know I, what's going on. Yeah, I have I no idea when we're going to release this exactly. So who knows what's happened? But yeah, we don't want the think, FBI coming after us too. I think so. everything we'll talk about is relevant um regardless and also most likely because it'll probably only be a matter of weeks this case is going to drag out this is a supreme court case i think or it's quashed pretty quickly they should just break but, the phone open and get the files aren't they in there <laughs> <laughs> i don't understand Wait, the problem the files are in the computer <laughs> <laughs> you sent them via email they're just letters in there right um no it's a hamster yeah and then you ask it questions Oh, it's a wise hamster. Apple's really good at training hamsters, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, the way that people talk about AI these days, like, oh, we taught the computer how to play Go. Like, we talked about it on the last podcast, I think. <laughs> it's starting to sound that way. Well, we trained our monkey to to play Go better than any human. Okay. So I think the first <laughs> place to start to build up to Apple, right, is the idea of encryption right? Yes. Yeah. Let's talk. Um, what is it? Yeah. What the hell is encryption when people talk about <laughs> encryption all the time? Right. Uh, yeah. I want to start at a big word. Cause it's a big like, word. It's, is... it's a headline that people are aware of and they're like, Oh my God, I've got things. Shit. What's encryption? It sounds important, but I don't think people it sounds generally scary like... and it sounds important. It's hard letters, you know, like crag. It's one of those, what's that? On onomatopoeia. onomatopoeia. It sounds like <laughs> ominous. Oh, encryption. The encryption has been broken. It's on CSI every freaking night. Right. So yeah, so talk to me about what what you're when you encrypt a file, what are you doing? Uh encryption, I think the best way to think about it is uh you're just scrambling stuff up so that if you if I were to find your file and you didn't want me to read it, I can't read it. And then when you give it to someone, they have a way to unscramble it. So it's just like a it's like the decoder ring from uh, a christmas story remember that kid like for he your breakfast cereal saves up all his <laughs> breakfast cereal stubs and he and he's like ambitiously waiting the decoder ring and he decodes the message and then tells right. him to buy more ovaltine well and so the way that <laughs> <laughs> and he's fucking pissed he's like i did i did all this cryptography research just to right. tell get a marketing message like a really basic encryption scheme would be like one that i've seen is you take the layout of the keyboard and you move everything over one. Totally. Yep. Right? 
And then you can type out a message that's going to look like gobbledygook to Looks anyone like that doesn't nonsense. know to take a thing and move it le left one. And then I have a few friends that have memorized passwords, but they know the pattern and not the digits. Oh, and anytime sure. somebody gets into their stuff and they need to change the password, they just scoot it to the right one and perform oh, the exact cool. same pattern. And it's like, now it's a completely, like it. it's another completely random, but already memorized string of it's characters. All, all encryption. Yeah. It's just um, uh, methods of, of disguising information. And so what you're talking about when a file is encrypted is that the file is made up of bits, right? Like in our quantum computing episode, we talked about how everything cuts down to ones and zeros eventually. Mm -hmm. You're basically taking those and you're scrambling them up so they're not readable. Yeah, I can't really talk intelligently. Higher level about. than that. Yeah. I there mean, it's tons it's, of ways to mix up a file and it's encrypt super. It. Even like uh, zipping a file, compressing a file, that's that's kind of probably would fall under a form right. of encryption, right? You have to have a zip program to unzip it. Right. So it's just manipulating, mixing stuff up. So And what it comes down to is you're using. Uh, so it, the decoder ring is mm -hmm. the equivalent of like what you would call the encryption key which the thing that's weird, like they call it a key or you call it a password and that makes it sound like, oh, it's the thing that lets me in. But what you need to understand is it's also the thing that locks it up. Right. So the way that most encryption works is there's some crazy complicated math equation and then a piece of that equation is based on this string of digits that only you know. And without that string of digits, you can't solve the math problem that... that reconstitutes the data mm -hmm. like it would take a hundred thousand years for the most powerful computer to just iterate through trying different combinations of all this data and going oh got it that's a file yeah that's the neat thing about encryption is that the encryption's meaningless if all you're doing is mixing up a file that's not helpful if no one can ever reconstitute the file what was the point that's like tearing up a letter and burning it that's not helpful. Maybe, maybe if you're just trying to get rid of it, sure, if you're trying to hide something you did. But the goal with encryption is to hide something, pass it all around the world, send it over email, send a letter, whatever, pass a note in class, and not have your teacher be able to read the note. So you want the person you're passing the note to to be able to read it. So you have to be able to decrypt it, which means that there's always <coughs> a way to break encryption. There has to be a way to get in there or else the other person can't decrypt it. So. Right. By default, by definition, it is you're able to get beyond it. Um, now we so, just made like, it really, really hard if you don't know the passwords, you don't right. know the keys. Well, and so what you say, like when when you made it really, really hard, or the idea of better encryption, which sometimes they will tell you it's it's 256 bit encryption, like that just denotes the complexity of the scrambling, like how vastly indecipherable the thing is made. And how complicated the mm -hmm. equation to undo it is, which all means just honestly, it's a measurement of how hard it is for a computer to break that because no person is doing it by for hand sure. anymore. Yeah, not since World War II were we using codes to pass things back and forth. Even World War II, people we, could just we had break. to invent computers to break the codes of World War II. So, right, we we surpassed humans decrypting breaking encryption a long time ago. So that's it's fun because this is this goes back to us talking about. Like, I guess, again, the quantum computer thing again, right? And talking about mm -hmm. the imagination game. But like, so let's back it up from World War II and talk yeah. about just broadly, like the idea of security. Totally. Because that's what encryption is for, right? The same as yeah. the lock on your door. Encryption is for security, right? That's the idea. Yeah. 
I've got a secret. I don't want everyone to know, but I need my buddy to know. Right. And so, I mean, if you back that up far enough, you're talking about like locks on doors, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, that's an that's a form of encryption. I mean, you're encrypting how to mechanically open something up, right? I mean, really, it's there's a but but what's interesting is the key is still a key. There's still all they're doing is protecting one little link in this chain that constitutes access to your house. Mm -hmm. Because if you can either pull the lock off the door entirely, <laughs> brute force, or just all replicate these terms transfer, what the, yeah, or just replicate what the key would do, then you can get in there and then right. the door the part of the door that's like oh this keeps this is a strike plate it keeps me from kicking it in that's <laughs> useless if if you have the key or if you pick the key right, right. so you don't even right. have to have the you key because you key. can pick it so explain to me from a hacking standpoint standpoint like when someone says brute force he brute forced the password and so the sony hack was what's called a brute force hack which is, peop it, really, it boils down to Sony staff had shitty passwords. Yeah. That's, that's how a, the Sony, how Sony hack I, happened. I think almost all, most, most hacks like that, or a lot of hacks like that are happening, uh, what's the term? Um, like uh, social, social hacking or something. Oh, yeah, like social you just, engineering. You just go meet people, right? You go to an office that you're trying, you're trying to hack into Sony's information. You go to Sony and go sit outside where everyone's going to have lunch and you strike up a conversation and ask someone, hey, what's your pet's name? What street did you grow up on? What's your wife's maiden name? You just ask these questions right. <laughs> and then you guess their password. And then security is only as good as the thing protecting it. So if right. your password gets me into Sony's central servers, uh, Sony central servers are now open to me and I can do whatever I want with Unencrypted them. Unencrypted so, and open to you. Yeah. You're, in, you're inside. So that's the funny thing because the idea of, so like what they want to do with the iPhone, guessing those numbers, like the encryption has gotten good enough and complicated enough that with a computer, the easiest way to try to break it is to try to guess the password by iteratively, like just mm -hmm. running every possible combination of letters and, and numbers force, like you were until you catch it. And they call that brute force because you kind of just banging your head against it yeah. until you eventually get the right combination. And you can narrow it by knowing those things like security questions or just, you can also narrow it by other things like one, two, three, four, five is still the most common <laughs> password in the world. Even though everybody should fucking know that's stupid. <laughs> like, it's it's one, two, crazy. Three, four, five. Easy to remember. And well, now everybody, also, you're into Sony. You think it's just your email, but it's not. It's your it's their back door into the Sony servers. Right. Well, the other thing with passwords, individual passwords, is there really isn't a good solution other than for every single system you enter to have a new random password. Right. Because as a human, you're just going to introduce bias that can be guessed. And so a common way to brute force hack something that's just using a person's password is you just load the dictionary and you start doing combinations of words. And then maybe you start throwing numbers in. And I mean, yes, a dictionary has 60,000 words in it, but I can process the entire dictionary and iterate on thousands of different combinations. I mean, you can do billions and billions of attempts at a password uh, in seconds with a computer. Right. So you can these iterations are so fast. And so that's that that piece of it is important to understand for what the government is asking for because they want they want like a, a side door they want whatever you want to call it up the front where they are freely allowed to let the strongest computer in the world 
do exactly what you just talked about. So even words aren't safe. Phrases aren't safe. Numbers aren't safe. Like there, it ends up being like if you have the door open to try passwords in that way, you can go so crazy with it now because computers are so strong. Yeah, and and in reality, the 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 end game of this this uh, situation is they just want to be able to get the information. So right. who really cares how they right. get into it? To be honest, they're just saying uh, we need access to everyone's private information, so you need to make it available. And these companies are saying no. Sorry, <laughs> that's we're going to stand up for, for them right now. To, yeah. And, and uh, whether or not that's a business decision because their users want it and they'll sell more phones if they think it's private, if, if the information's private or not, that doesn't really matter. That's not a conversation I generally think is particularly right. interesting, but they're doing that right now. It's become yeah. a public conversation topic. And so right. companies are standing up for it. About, so, so what I find fascinating is if you follow the progression of the idea of security and what we need to do to protect things, there are all the, always these two like countervailing forces of people trying to protect the stuff and people to try and get in. <laughs> and I think you were telling me about a podcast or something. Where, I think we listened to it on the way. Yeah, to your, yeah, maybe uh, we did your the, bachelor party the, weekend, the camping trip. Yeah. And it was about how like the lock was invented. And for a steady period, no one knew how to pick it. And there was really, there was a type of padlock that for like a six year period or something, this is in like pre-industrial England was, <laughs> was <laughs> everything was in pre-industrial was England unbreakable, as far as my brain works. Right. So like, so perfect security existed for that brief period. If you put that lock on your thing, it was, it was, let's say 90% safe yeah. because you could still bust apart the wood that made the, the sure you know, the chest or whatever. Right. That's kind of where we are with modern digital security as well. You can encrypt stuff for the most part in ways that you can't get into. Um, you can't run. You couldn't guess the password. You're not going to guess the encryption mechanism. You're not going to be able to get into things. And so that's exactly what is happening with the Apple FBI case. Right. They, there is information on that computer and it could very easily in microseconds be decrypted into a human readable file or whatever they're trying to get to. I don't even really know the whole story, but the FBI just can't get it. There's nothing they can ever do in the hist in the length of the universe will they be able to get to that information, that file, unless uh, Apple builds something that lets them get in there. Right. What and so the that's FBI? the interesting is that thing really there what is you want? like in that, that conversation of protecting things and security and all that stuff, right? Like we transitioned as our move toward like the steady march toward the information age. There was this thing of what we needed to protect was stuff. And sometimes it was letters, which I guess you could call information. And yeah. then particularly in times of war, it was, it became like encryption started to exist when they were like, we need a way that we can get these messages here. And even if they're intercepted, honestly, because you kill my messenger and you take his messages, right. like you can't figure out our troop movements. Mm -hmm. And so encryption was a really important development in like warfare. For sure. And then we continue to use it at different levels. And there's always this little gap where somebody comes up with a better way. And until somebody figures out how to crack it, they achieve genuine security mm -hmm. um and so that's what the imitation game is about like for a period of world war ii we had no idea what the germans were up to because they were using this code enigma that was based around a machine 
that you like, it was a complex enough mechanical machine that if you set all the dials and then typed a message in on the other side, you couldn't get the message back out. Yeah, You didn't know what like the a person, were. a person couldn't break it unless they were, they had a couple lucky guesses. So every once in a while we would break it in a day and get a few messages because somebody had a lucky guess, mm-hmm. but it was never, we got until lucky. computers. We- we found an we found Enigma machines. I think was the deal, right? right. So we had yeah. if we had we, never found we, those we, machines, like, I'm not sure we would have been able to crack it. Right. Not that we used the machine, we had to invent a way to use the machine to crack it. But right. I mean, I think people were sinking ships purposely to hide these machines. They were, this encryption is so it's been historically right. that's so the important. Part that's not in the, it's vaguely in the imagination game, like toward the end. But there's they roughly a, touch on it. They avoid the topic. I was mostly. I was reading this book, uh, Cryptonomicon where they're one of the characters is in one of the regiments whose job is to go around and fake like things that would happen. Like we need to put a dead guy over here. Like they had to go fake the way that the British army could know that the, or the allied army could know that this happened so that it wasn't like, how did they know that that was going to be there? We were doing that. They didn't want the Germans to figure out that we had figured out how to break their code so they would keep just telling us things. Yeah, we were people were dying on purpose. We knew what was going to happen and we still let ships right. go down. We let people die so that the code they didn't know we had broken their code. Crazy. Can you imagine right? having being to make in charge that at that decision time? too? Oh my gosh. God, Churchill and uh, must have had ulcers for days uh, just going, oh, we have to let people die. We've got to do some World War II episodes. I just, I know. It's so I know. powerful as I, especially as I get older and have more perspective right. on the world and life. <laughs> oh, world War II blows my mind. But so for that period, <laughs> they kind of had perfect security again, right? In the encryption world. And now, now that back and forth is so quick that there's no real, like, encryption is fairly standardized. And so talk about how that impacts your, like, daily life, the fact of encryption. So, I mean, pretty much everything you do all day long <clears throat> with a digital device is using <laughs> encryption. So, I mean, if you're sending a text message, that shit's encrypted. If, on phone calls, it's encrypted. Email is encrypted. Anytime you're on a website, I think most browsers these days, if you look, when you go to a website, you'll see a little lock icon next to the url if it's green or it's like highlighted or whatever that website all the communication between you and that website is encrypted between your computer and and the computer that you're getting the website from and so people can't see what they're doing what you're right. doing they can't see and messages before you're people sending. started doing that people would use wi-fi sniffers like they could sit in a starbucks and pinch your information out of the right. signal between your computer and the starbucks router so and without you can that st- S, you're exposed. Right. You can still right. do that. I can still pick up the information going between your computers, but it's scrambled. It's meaningless to me, and I can't decode it. So, right. And so what's interesting is, like, so we, as an encryption scheme, every time we were like, oh, here's a place where the information I'm trying to send is insecure, we close that hole all the way down to... It's encrypted on your machine before it leaves and goes anywhere where it's in danger. Yep. Your browser or iMessages or even this call is probably scrambled up, sent across, unscrambled at your side. I don't know. That might fuck up the signal too much. But, Pro- no, it probably is. You know, I mean, the interesting thing um, about a digital encryption is that it happens. It's not, you can't really conceptualize it. It's not simple like, oh, when I'm sending an email, the, the email is encrypted. There are layers and layers and layers and layers of 
computation and processing going on and there's encryption everywhere there's like files stored temporarily here and stuff moved over here and this computer had to talk to this one and this one had to validate something over here so honestly when you send an email there probably there could be hundreds of levels of encryption happening at different stages and they're not all necessarily just to protect your email but everything digital there's so much security around and it's one of the reasons that security is so difficult is that an email is not just a a handing a letter from me to you, it goes through dozens of computers, if not thousands of computers. Right. And so at every level, someone had to set stuff up right. It needs to be run right. A security needs to be tight. The same security protocols need to be up and running and working and functional. And so right. security is really, really, and really And so when hard. people talk about like hacking, it's usually like, well, a step back from that, you know, like you said, it's it's like me handing you a letter. But what's really happening is, First, I hand my router the letter. Then my router hands the letter to the local hub. And then that hands the router to the continental hub. And then that <laughs> hands the router to one that's closer to you. And then that hands, like, it's, it's this, all over it's the this place. light speed handoff of communication all through all kinds of stuff, yep. right? And at any one of those nodes, or even just when it's in a straight up wire, somebody could grab that if they know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So instead, we've scrambled it up so much that the idea of, oh, but somebody might shoot the messenger because he's got to ride a horse from here to Gettysburg, and that takes three days. Like, so <laughs> it's still exactly the same. You know, it's like, it's just, it's so scrambled up now. And so because of that intermediate lack of, you know, quote, security in the fact of anyone can nab it. It has to go out in the open for it to get to the place that it's going to go, at least as far as all those things go. So like the version of hacking that you hear about on the internet, like not on the internet, that you hear about like on TV shows or that they make movies about because it feels really cool. Oh, I got into the blah, 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 and the blah, blah, blah. (laughs) All the shit that they're talking about on like Mr. Robot is... It sounds really cool, but it's about going into servers and trying to find places where the security is yep. not, like where the system is bad and you can grab it at a time when it's either unencrypted or you can grab it like, so like the idea of like your email exists, like if you go to Gmail, that message unencrypted does exist on a, on a server somewhere. You're looking at it, so it's been unencrypted. Because you're looking at it, right? And so if they can hop in a node, if they can hop somewhere in the chain between you seeing it unencrypted and it being on uh, where it is encrypted, then... And so there's weird little like exploits or people program shit poorly and you can find where they... Totally. So that's what they... When they say they're cracking a program, they're trying to find the chink that some programmer left in them. The best hackers in terms of security this type of stuff getting into information the best hackers are security experts the more you know about how computers communicate the more you know about how security is set up the more you're going to be able to identify where is there likely to be a problem and i mean there are probably millions if not tens of millions of people in the world right now who are responsible for individual computers and running communications on those computers and so you can imagine just the majority of those if not like 99.9% of them have some common mistake that someone made. I mean, you're setting up software, you're installing all this stuff, you're creating all these settings and choosing how to run stuff. It's just going to be full of mistakes. So most of the world, in my opinion, as, as a programmer, I think most of the world 
world's digital landscape is very insecure. And if you were a security right. expert, you can get into almost anything. Right. And it's like the stuff at the height of security is definitely financial data. Yep. Stuff we've made laws about, like health records. Stuff that really fucks you over. And if it gets certainly out, the Department you know? of Defense. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and that's and that's almost that's like a perfect segue. But those are broad because, statements, right? Because you're talking about the DOD and the FBI, and those are the guys that are coming after Apple. And the reason that they have to do it in this way that has made us aware of it is because of Apple's answer to what we were talking about in terms of anyone can nab it intermediately. Mm -hmm. So their approach has been: you're going to use all these different services with whatever you do on your device the safest answer that we can give you is because we have a closed infrastructure. Everything is going to be encrypted at the source. Yep. So it's already scrambled on your phone. Like my stuff exists scrambled on my phone. So without my six digit code to get in or without you can't your fingerprint do, or my fingerprint. Yeah. You can't do anything with the data that's on my phone because I've turned the right settings on. And that's a great solution that these companies have come up with. Right. If, if I don't want to necessarily argue what's right or wrong here, um, maybe we'll no. get to that in a minute. But uh, these tech companies are now saying, well, what we're going to do is we're going to allow, we're going to put encryption on on these devices, on people's devices, and only they can decrypt it. Only their codes will break it. If their codes get lost, uh, if they if they die and their fingerprints are burned off, they might not be able to get into their phone anymore. And it removes the ability from Apple to even be able to decode it. So they can now say, the FBI can say, Hey, we want information on this phone, and Apple says we cannot. We absolutely there's nothing we can do in the world right. to get to this information, and that's cool. That's a cool approach. That's a cool solution to this problem, right? Um, that really well, puts the privacy in the control of the user, right? And so then it becomes a democratic problem because we have to all decide how we're going to behave with it, right? But so what's important to understand here is like I think I think the stuff with the iPhone is being presented as a security issue and it is to an extent but it's really a privacy issue it's not about is a thing hackable right? right like we just walked through how this thing is not hackable if i could plug a hard drive into the hard drive that's on your phone i can't do anything with your information yep even if i've taken the phone apart and taken the memory chip out which is still live it all it lives there it's scrambled up i can't do yep. anything with it nothing you so can do so literally 100% only way to get in, and these are vague numbers. There are people, that, you know, I mean, there are, like you said, there are security experts, right? These are vague but for numbers. the sake of understanding what's going on and why the government has to have this fight with Apple and why it's public is because they said, give us the data. Apple said, yeah, ha have it. Here, here you go. And they said, this is all scrambled up. And they were like, yeah, man, that's how we roll. And so... <laughs> And they were like, well, unscramble it. And Apple went, we literally can't do that. We don't have the cooting power and we don't have the key. Literally the key code that I was talking about. And so like you're, so I mean, part of the other thing to understand is like when you put in your six digit thing to unlock your phone, that's tied to a, 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 an actual password that's like 30 digits long. Like there's no, it's not actually just, well, if they could guess the six, six numbers, they could decrypt the data that Apple gave them. Like it doesn't even work that way. So what they're asking Apple for, well, no. So a step back, right? So the other thing is, so you do have six digits, which means there are, well, let's say four, because I'm pretty sure four gets you. <laughs> there are 10,000 possible combinations yeah. 
of four digits, I think. Yep. And on this particular phone, I think it is a four digit code. Apple said, well, you can do, you could guess that. And if you're sitting around just doing it, it would take a lot of time, but eventually you could get in. So they built in a thing where if you try like more than four times, it tells you now I got, you got to wait two minutes. But if you wait two minutes and try again, an additional six times, it just straight wipes everything on the phone. It assumes that your purposes are nefarious. You're trying cool. to hack into this phone to steal things, to steal my dick pics, to steal my account numbers. Notice how dick pics came first. <laughs> they, we should bring numbers, them up in every episode. <laughs> all of the They're personal. Important. And here's the thing. like If you get ev- all the information on my phone, you would have enough information to socially engineer your way into also having everything you could possibly need about my wife, probably everything you need about my immediate family. Like you would have the detail, you would know the answers to the security questions that you could just call Verizon and pretend to be my mother. Yeah. And I think almost everyone who has digital devices these days is in the same position. They have passwords sitting in their emails that they've sent themselves. They have personal information. They have people's birth dates, home addresses, all the stuff that people worry about that's out there. Um, And so what the FBI is asking Apple for is not a decryption. It's not a backdoor, like the way that we think about it, which is like, oh, here's a way, a backdoor, like a traditional backdoor to me at least, is we want you to put somewhere on the server where our guys can pop in and intercept it unencrypted if we are so inclined. Uh, We promise we'll get a, we'll get a, we'll get a warrant. We promise. Um, Yeah, we'll only do it when we really need to. And Apple basically said, no, we don't do that. And they put, so, so now what the government is at, this, this was years ago that they were fighting the backdoor fight and it didn't really, didn't pan out the way I think the government agencies had hoped. And now what they're fighting for is they want Apple to make a new operating system that has never been made before that drops off the, the fail safe of you can try only 10 times before it wipes everything. And also makes it so that you can just jack in a computer and try all 10,000 combinations in 45 seconds. And they want them to make that exist, although it never has before. And they promise they'll only ever use it when, when it's appropriate. And they've decided that this is the case they're going to push it on because the guy is a jihadist, you know, terrorist who shot up a, a whatever a you know a public office building sure. in San Bernardino. It's Go an ahead. interesting uh, dilemma here because it we can easily make good arguments for both cases. Well, we want and we need we need this information. It's really important. Right. People are going to die if we don't get it. And also, well, it's my information. I don't want you to have it. <laughs> so you can't have it. Right. Um, and, and so that sense of freedom and ownership. <laughs> Well, and so the next thing that you got to understand, and I'll try to go through this, not with the depth of someone who's studying the law like I am, but do it, go it's, deep. it's important to back. understand how, and I don't mean to, when I say that the government's argument is bullshit, I just, I, I don't mean it's a, it's necessary. <laughs> I don't mean it's necessarily incorrect. Is that I a legal s- term? I don't know what that I means. <laughs> <laughs> but I see their argument. But when they say, like, what you have to understand about the way the United States legal system works is that if the law doesn't deal with it directly, everything they're teaching you in law school is not like, here are the laws, remember them, because you look up the laws. 
what you're learning in three years of law school is how to look at the details of your case and compare it to other cases that have already been decided based on the vagaries of a fact pattern right. as they run through all the decisions the court has already made to eventually get to the law itself. And so precedent saying, well, last time you had a case just like this, and here's how I'm going to explain to you how it's just like this, you decided this way. And so there's a, there's a doctrine in, in law called stare decisis, uh, which is Latin, and I don't remember what the literal translation is, but the, but the principle is you're supposed to stick to it's, it's a principle. It's not like, it's not necessarily a law. Like they're not bound by the constitution to do this, but there's a doctrine that they have always followed, which says that you're supposed to stick to the decisions that you made before. Mm -hmm. And it's because you have to have consistency in the law. You can't just be like, well, yeah, this is just like that one, but we feel differently. So this time he's guilty. Mm-hmm. Like that's not fair because the people then don't know how to behave in order to be within the law and, and the whole system falls apart. So you have to use precedent as the way that people can know how to follow the law. So when they go judicial on this and they try to get a judge to say that it's okay, the reason they want that is because if the precedent is it's okay for them to do something like have Apple make this software to break in. Now they have a legal decision at their back the next time they try to do it. And so no matter how much they say they're not going to do it and mean that genuinely, there's a really important legal implication for a judge saying this is okay to do. Mm-hmm. And that's slope. that part, like you have to understand that piece of the, 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 the conversation. And I don't know that people do, right? Because the government, at least publicly, his argument has been, no, don't worry, don't worry. This is, we'll never use this on you. <laughs> But the real answer is, we'll never use this on you until we suspect that you had something to do with the shooting up of a public building, which, come on, man. Like, if you looked at my Amazon history selectively, and you looked at the books that I've checked out of the library my whole life selectively, (laughs) you could paint a picture where I'm a terrorist. Yeah, you're a huge creeper. Just because I'm interested in things, (laughs) you know? Terrorist type things. But it's 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 an interesting thing because it's like it comes down to this idea of and we've talked about it before. Like when you move through the world, you're leaving a trail of data behind mm-hmm. and we're starting to collect more and more of that data, like pictures of what you were doing at a time, status updates that you put up about how you felt at a given time, your location data. I wear my iWatch, Apple Watch thing everywhere. So like literally I was going through it with some friends the other day, like I have heart rate data every 10 minutes during the day for the last year and a half. Totally. I don't don't know what it's for, but like if I happen to be something, if I happen to be going for a run the day that there was a shooting and they needed corroborating evidence and they could get this, they could be like, well, look, he had an elevated heart rate right at the time (laughs) of the shooting. And it's like, yeah, that's okay. That's not connected at all, but it doesn't mean a lawyer couldn't stand up and try to connect it. Mm-hmm. And that's a really scary prospect because when you think about building it, this relates to the last big topic we talked to. Like imagine building a search engine where a government agent just types in, in the entirety of what this guy's ever done in his life, has he appeared to be a terrorist? And right. the computer goes, Boop, here's your case against that guy. Right. Good luck. Like, shit, man. It's a crazy <laughs> space. Well, this is this is a good segue kind of into the broader uh, philosophical questions here which is 
should we have privacy? Is privacy a right? Should we want privacy? Yeah. What would happen if we didn't have privacy? Like, yeah, the, the idea is so. And what's interesting to me is when you talk to younger people, they're a lot more comfortable with the idea of a certain lack of privacy. Of course. There are different things that they want private. And I would, I generally kind of go about the day thinking that they just have fewer things that they want to be private. If you talk right. to like my parents, for instance, they're very concerned with things that previously were easy to keep private, like your home address, your home phone number. That's not private at all anymore. You could find that in a million different locations about me. And so I just don't care, you know? And so we've also grown up now. We've got applications where everyone's just sharing stuff. Right. Remember when when like photo sharing apps? This was only 10 years ago. All of a sudden people are like, oh my God, you're posting pictures of where you are? What if someone knows where you are? That's <laughs> that's become awesome now and people right. love it. They're like, oh, my yeah, friends are doing everybody... this fun thing. I'm doing this fun thing. Yeah. So there's, there's trade-offs and whether or not it's good or bad, it seems to be progressing that direction. This comes back constantly to our theme that there seems to be a fundamental force in the universe that drives communication forward. And we're just a strong manifestation of it right now. Right. Which makes that conversation about privacy, like the idea of privacy, because there's a certain amount of it that you have to give up the same way. If you want your website has to be public to a certain degree, if you want a search engine to index it so other people can find you. Right. But then what's that line where you go, okay, well, but that wasn't really a fair thing to do. Like it almost ends up being questions of etiquette. Everyone has a dick pic. Nobody looks at it. So, <laughs> so I want to bring this back to Star Trek. So <laughs> none of these things would be a problem if you were a Betazoid. <laughs> Remember the, Absolutely. the uh, like psychologist on Star Trek Next Generation? Deanna uh, Troy. Deanna Troy. She sat <laughs> at the left side of Captain Picard. She was her, not second in command, but she was really important to the ship. because, And she her, got to wear an outfit that was slightly more casual than everyone else's <laughs> outfits Remember and that was that? constantly like she used to get to wear like too. a purple thing with kind of like a v-cut yeah in it. and whenever like <laughs> uh higher ups were on the ship they'd get pissed and that would like be a topic of conversation <laughs> you will wear the proper starfleet uniform when you're on the bridge <clears throat> <laughs> anyway yeah, Star is. Trek's the best. No, but so the Betazoids. Anyway, so her, so the Betazoids were a species in Star Trek that could. But she read was only minds. half and Betazoid, so, so she kind of had a, an idea of how you felt. Yeah, she could only but half. She couldn't read your mind. She didn't know everything, <laughs> so they didn't want it to be. They didn't want to ruin everything, so they made her half Betazoid. But there were some episodes where they would uh, interact with with full Betazoids, and so they could just read humans' minds. They could read each other's minds. And so the really interesting concept behind that species is that there was a whole planet of creatures like humans that didn't have secrets. There were no secrets. And so for us right now, there's privacy about addresses and messages and text messages and dick pics. But really, real privacy right now for humans, the unbreakable lock right now is your brain. The thoughts happening inside of your head, I can't get to yours. We don't have a way to do that. We don't have a machine that'll read that. Lie detectors are, are mostly kind of crap, I think. And so there's privacy in your head. But if you take it to the logical extension, someday we'll be able to read that. You can. We're starting to control machines with our brains. So we are reading something. And so what happens when that's now open? Everyone can read everyone else's thoughts. All privacy is gone. What does that world look like? We're headed right. there. It seems they like talk we're headed about there. It. Oh, I heard somebody, I, somebody called it extracranial. Like you're taking parts of your ooh. personality, essentially, 
or, or, you know, experiences that you have and things like that. And you're offloading them into a computer. So you're putting them, you're storing them in a place for later that isn't your brain. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's, we're slowly starting to record every single thing that we would normally be recording with our brains. We're recording the audio. We're recording the video. We don't know. We don't really record smells yet. We don't really record tastes. Maybe we will. I think smells and tastes to pull off, you're going to need like brain electrodes. But those exist already. Brain so... electrodes. I don't see why my phone can't be like yeah, sniffing around the true. room. <laughs> oh, I got some of those. Got mm, some of those smells modules. like bacon. I mean, it's already doing the same thing when it, your eye, your, an Apple watch is already kind of doing this. I mean, the Apple watch is using spectroscopy to understand when your heart is beating. That's all you need to know what, what light bounces off of them and what and the smell what, is. What, if you know what light bounces off of a substance, you also know what it smells like. What a weird concept. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it might smell different for um, you, and that's still locked up. Bacon, you like bacon, but it might stimulate you in a different way than it stimulates me. My bacon might be your pizza. Your your bacon might be Boom, my we're orgasm. Done. We're out. <laughs> Ooh, you took it to a weird place <laughs> but it's all just brain impulses man my bacon i don't want bacon anymore or i want more bacon i don't know I'm, I'm so oh no <laughs> thing there's a, stop thinking think about bacon betazoid handy to tell me what you're thinking now <laughs> damn if only there were more betazoids around and they're slightly revealing but 90s really, like, outfits i look forward to the day that some gotcha journalist tries to corner a presidential candidate by bringing up their dick pic and that guy just goes uh you don't you don't have any of these sure you want to see like that someone could find if they dug deep enough because you must you must have you must have had kind of a boring life up to now Boring. we should go take a dick for fun this is going to be on like conan right (laughs) like for fun we should go take dick pics in the back like that's just going to be a thing that people do as a joke (laughs) Uh, they're going to be like holding their pants out, you know, like taking a picture yeah, on a late night show because you you mean you don't have a dick pic, bro? You're missing out. <laughs> you, everyone's got a dick. Who cares exactly. if there's a picture of it? This is this is that stuff. It's going to go away. No one cares. But makes you wonder also, like there are certain behaviors that are not thought of as good. And so we kind of train people to not have those behaviors, right? Like if I want your your sweet new Apple watch, I don't just take it from you. But there's still a desire to have things. So I still have a thought. I'm not necessarily thinking about stealing your watch, but it's like, oh, that'd be fun to have a watch, right? So imagine if your brain was open, would those would bad thoughts go away? Because right now people are like, oh, well, you'd hear my right, bad thoughts, right, right? Or you'd hear these thoughts that I, I mean, don't necessarily want you to have, but maybe they would just that's what go away. Afraid of, right? I don't care if people hear my good right, you're, thoughts. <laughs> Is there good I, I just I can never have I can never have this conversation with people without coming to the conclusion that and, and it's not wrong that people have things they want to keep private, but they're just they're things that you don't want to share because you're ashamed or embarrassed or think they're wrong or think they're bad. Maybe they're perfectly good thoughts too, but you just happen to have a stigma about them. But I just don't believe the privacy thing exists in any way other than to hide things that you don't right. feel good like about. I, like I was saying, the only place that I have a problem, like the only place this gets concerning for me is the road that I was going down in terms of the data trail that you leave behind can be abused to catastrophic proportion if we're not allowed to control what happens with it. Now, if I'm in control mm-hmm. of it, I'm happy for everyone to know all kinds of things about me. 
because I don't know. I just, it's kind of like, I, it's a lot of, like the dick pic is a great example. I don't feel like it's a thing that people should be hung up on. Everyone has genitalia. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't think people should be like sharing the pictures. I don't want to see generally pictures gross. of poop. But, <laughs> right. But you shouldn't be embarrassed right. if there so is that one. That shouldn't be cataloged you as a bad You pooped today, thought. probably. Everyone on Earth yeah, pooped Everyone today. on Earth has pooped in the last 24 hours. <laughs> I, I would hope. I would Except hope for a few, a few poor people. Sorry no, for everyone who has Not like not wealthy people, but a, a few <laughs> sad people, poor people, unfortunate people. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we should wrap this up. But the point is, yeah, it's always good know, to end on pooping. We we hit every I, that's that's everything you need to know to understand the Apple debate. I don't mean to push it one direction or the other. Decide how you want to feel about it. I like to think if we all knew everything about each other, the world would be a much more peaceful it's, place, and a lot of the privacy concerns would go way. away. If I if I truthfully knew the struggles that everyone else was experiencing on Earth, we would all work together to solve those problems more effectively, and I wouldn't have to worry about my location getting out while I'm not home, so someone right. breaks into my home. So I, I, I have just such a positive view of information and the direction we're going. And I long for more information. It needs to be open at the right pace and the right speed with society. And it will take generations Absolutely. to do uh, and major technological advances. But I think it's a beautiful landscape right. in the future. We'll all be Betazoid someday and we will live in peace and harmony and have wonderful 90s hair. <laughs> <laughs> and get to wear a slightly more comfortable Starfleet uniform. <laughs> So thanks for sticking around for another one of these. Look us up wherever oh, yeah. wherever you found us to begin with. Hit iTunes, rate and review. That's that really does. Like literally, the attention that we get there affects rankings and whether other people bump into this. And so, if you think it's cool shit and you want to definitely talk to, to other iTunes. people about it, hit iTunes, drop a review, give us some stars, preferably. And five here's a new them. one that's funny because <laughs> if you see the metrics, we there are not a shit ton of people listening to this yet. But because of the th kinds of stuff that we talk about on this show, I was able in about two hours of work to spin up a t-shirt shop. So if you go to stuff.zengineeringpodcast.com, you can check out the stupid ideas for shirts that Brian and I have come up with Finally, over time. It's been decades that we've wanted and to put shirts up one. where people could buy them, <laughs> mostly for ourselves. <laughs> I think yeah, the we own them all already. Are low as shit. We're not really making much when money. When you're off buying of them it. for yourself, um, but uh, check that out. Say hey and hit us with any questions, whatever. We like talking to you guys. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Adam. Baller. I'm Brian. Peace. <laughs> have a conversation about which female character on Star Trek you had a crush on. All of them? <laughs> All of them. That's the real answer.